Good morning. Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Anna Yoder. I serve as student chapel assistant along with um, working to plan chapels along with Bob and Tamarek, the campus pastors. This morning our chapel focuses on investing in hope. What signs of healing and hope do we see around us? How do we invest in hope by putting our faith into action? How is God calling us or leading us to be messengers of hope in our communities and in our world? A bit later, we will be hearing from our guest speaker, Irvin Stutzman, who serves as the executive director of Mennonite Church USA. So I'd like to introduce him a bit now. Irvin began in this role in January of 2010, so about a year ago, and before that, he spent 12 years at Eastern Mennonite Seminary in Harrison, Virginia, Harrisonburg, Virginia, sorry, as Dean and Professor of Church Ministries. He is a preacher, teacher, and writer, and he also enjoys woodworking. This past August, when Irvin was visiting in this area, he spent four hours on a Sunday afternoon and evening with a group of young adults, including myself and a few other Goshen College students, listening to us and discussing our thoughts and our concerns about the Mennonite Church. For me, it was both a helpful and a meaningful time. And so particularly from that experience, I am excited to welcome him here and to hear what he has to share with all of us today. As we begin this time of worship, I light this lamp as a sign of God's presence in our midst. Let's pray. God, as we worship together this morning, make your presence known to us. Renew the hope that we have in you and in one another. May we breathe deeply of your spirit in this place. And may we leave transformed to pour out your love in our world. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we sing together. Good morning. Um, we are going to start by singing in the green sing the journey book number three. See if you'll turn to that. And let's stand.
animals, number My name is Yvette Cifuentes. I'm a third-year education major. And I'm Jeffrey Moore. I'm a sophomore Bible and religion major. Do you want to say what you're reading? And we are reading today from Luke 6, uh, Luke chapter 6, 6, verses 27 through 38. Okay. Um, I'm going to be reading in Spanish, by the way, so don't freak out. Pero les digo a ustedes, los que escuchen, continúen amando a sus enemigos, haciendo bien a los que los odian, bendiciendo a los que los maldicen, orando porque los insultan. Al que te hiera en una mejilla, ofrécele también la otra. Y al que te quite tu prenda de vestir exterior, no le retengas siquiera la prenda de vestir interior. 
Da a todo el que te pida y el que te quite lo tuyo no pidas de vuelta. También así como quieren que los hombres les hagan a ustedes, háganles de igual manera a ellos. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Y si ustedes aman a los que los aman, ¿de qué mérito les es? Porque hasta los pecadores aman a los que los aman. Y si hacen bien a los que les hacen bien, ¿de qué mérito realmente les es a ustedes? Hasta los pecadores hacen lo mismo. También, si prestan a aquellos que quienes esperan recibir, ¿de qué mérito les es? Hasta los pecadores prestan a los pecadores para que se les devuelva otro tanto. Al contrario, continúan amando a sus enemigos y haciendo bien y prestando sin esperar que les devuelva nada. Y su galardón sea grande y serán hijos del Altísimo, porque Él es bondadoso para que los ingratos e inicuos continúen haciendo misericordiosos, así como su Padre es misericordioso. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind and ungrateful and because he is he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful además dejen de juzgar y de ninguna manera manera serán juzgados y dejen de condenar y de ninguna manera serán condenados sigan poniendo en libertad y se los pondrá en libertad practiquen el dar y se les dará Derramarán en sus rasgos una medida excelente, apretada, remecida y rebosante, porque con la medida con que ustedes miden, se les medirá a cambio. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure passed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for having me here. I was introduced as the executive director for Mennonite Church USA. Sometimes I say, really, God is the executive director of the church. I'm an administrative pastor for the church. Perhaps you could say I'm the lead administrative pastor for the Mennonite Church USA, which is a group of many churches in different parts of the United States. We have a vision statement for that church, which I think speaks for many people beyond the Mennonite Church as well. 
Can you identify with these words? That God calls us to be followers of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit to grow as communities of grace, joy, and peace so that God's healing and hope flow through us to the world. That's a vision which carries our church and it inspires me to invest in hope. That last phrase which says, so that God's healing and hope flow through us to the world is a hopeful statement of what we want God to be doing through us and how we listen to what God is saying. When I speak of hope now, I'm speaking not of something that's wishful thinking or of something that comes that's based on external ideas, but really something that is uh, something that happens inside us. When I speak of hope, then I'm speaking of something internal that is chosen because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. All through the scriptures, you find references to hope, and especially in the New Testament, and it's related not just to what one hopes might happen sometime in the future, but it's based on something that has already happened inside us, that God has done inside us to change who we are, to keep transforming who we are, and that flows through us to other people to also give hope. So it's not just hope as in, I hope the temperature gets above freezing by Saturday, or I hope the Steelers win you know, the Super Bowl or something like that. These are wishful thinking sometimes on these kind of things. But more like, my hope is based in Jesus Christ. My hope is based on what I have already seen as the first fruits of what God does through us. Now I want to speak then of what, how we invest in that hope. If we have that hope inside us, in what we see God doing, how will we invest our lives in that kind of hope to make a difference? And the passage which I've chosen to have read, thank you for reading this in two languages, this passage gives one very good illustration of ways that we invest in hope. You'll note that it speaks of loving enemies. Now this is a very unusual thing among world religions to speak of loving enemies. It was Jesus Christ who taught us this kind of idea. And I don't want us today to just focus primarily on the idea of loving enemies or loving people somewhere else that we hear about that don't like us somehow. But I want to speak of this especially as it's spoken of in the last part of the reading. And I'll read it again. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This really draws on the idea that we give to others what we hope to receive in return. This is a really basic principle and teaching of Jesus. You find it in other places in the scripture. Think of it, for example, perhaps you've heard reference to the golden rule. It's not called that in the Bible, but it's Matthew 7, 12, when Jesus says that what you want others to do for you, you also do for them. And I suppose growing up, I heard it in a sort of negative way, like, you know, if I bop my twin sister on the nose, maybe mother would say, now do to others as you want them to do to you. In other words, don't be 
doing bad things to people if you don't want them doing bad things to you. I even saw a t-shirt one time that says, do to others before they do to you. Well, and again, that was probably in a very negative frame, like if, you know, if someone's going to hit you, hit them first so you take them out or something. Actually, do to others before they do to you is a very Jesus thing to do, but it's in a positive frame. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want people to love you, love them first. It's like, well, the expression is paying it forward, so to speak. This is what Jesus speaks of, especially with the principle of seeds, and it's all through the New Testament. If you plant a seed of love, you're more likely to reap a seed of love. If you plant a seed of hatred, you're more likely to receive a seed of hatred. When I speak of investment then, seeds are a very good way to think of it. When you plant a seed, you probably won't have a burial ceremony. There'll probably be no weeping going on, even though you know that seed is going to die. But you plant that seed, not because it's going to die, but because it's going to bring forth life. It's going to have results. And this is pictured in the scripture with very spiritual ideas, that if you plant something, you can expect a crop in return. The kind of planting you do has a lot to do with what you reap. In fact, we're told what you sow, you reap. So Jesus is telling us in this passage, invest in what you want for the world. Now, this of course doesn't mean that anything we want, we get. No, it really says, as Jesus is telling us, order your affections in such a way that your desires are in alignment with the kingdom of God and when you invest your life in that, you'll get lots of good return. Yes, there'll be some crop failure, but this indeed will be ways that you get back to you. So just think of what are the deepest desires in your life in accordance with what the kingdom of God says. Well, certainly to love as we want to be loved, to forgive as we want to be forgiven, to have affection for others as we want them to have affection for us. These are the ways we invest in hope for the world. This means that we order our lives according to the kingdom of God so that we invest in things that God himself wants us to be investing in. And that's what brings hope. I like the saying of Paul Scott Wilson who speaks of hope as being where the grace of God meets the troubles of the world. Now we all know there's lots of troubles in the world, there's hard times. There are some things that are completely beyond our control, things for example like blizzards or earthquakes or perhaps bad weather that affect us in troubles. But a lot of troubles in the world are caused by our own errors, our own problems as people. And the way we draw on the grace of God to meet those troubles can create hope in the world. I want to tell you a little story of something that happened to me when I was a, a young boy, which has me thinking about how do we respond to people when they do bad things to us. I was probably seven or eight years old when our family hosted a guest one evening. This guest was a young man on parole from a juvenile detention center. He was the foster son at the time of my uncle who was visiting from northern Indiana. 
Actually, their address was Shipshawan at the time, and they were visiting us in Kansas. And so my brother hosted this young man who was about the same age as he, and he displaced me for the night. He took my bunk bed, and I slept with my widowed mother that evening. But you know how little boys are. They want to know what are the big brothers talking about. So I crept out of mother's bed down the hallway and listened at the bedroom window. The door was cracked open to hear what my brother and this young man were speaking about. And here's what I heard as I remember it. My brother said, why were you in prison? And he said, well, one time my brother and I got in an argument and, and he threw a shoe at me and I got angry at him and I said, if you throw another shoe at me, I'm going to kill you. And he threw another shoe at me and I shot him. And that's why I'm in prison. Now you can imagine my little heart was starting to beat faster because on the top of the bunk bed of where my brother was sleeping, the other brother was in, this other man was in, my, in the lower bunk, were three guns, a shotgun, a rifle, and a pistol. My brother's guns. And I'm in the hallway thinking, what if these two this brother of mine and this other man were to get into an argument, what would happen? Well, I'm here to say that one can decide ahead of time how you respond when you have disagreements with your family members. And what you decide ahead of time in how, what you want out of life has a whole lot to do with what you will do when you get in a hard spot and get into trouble. And I've determined for myself, I cannot think of any reason that would be good enough for me to take a gun and kill anyone. Regardless of how much I disagreed or what they would throw at me. Now that's only possible, I suppose, by a commitment to uh, the way of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, which transforms us over time to make us the kind of people who can give to others what we want them to give to us. I, I want to move for a moment to these words that are said. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Here I get the idea that when one invests in hope by the kind of actions which you want, you get back way beyond what you would imagine. And I want to give an example of that. Because these words follow the words, forgive and you will be forgiven. I take this to be one of the ways that things come back to you in spades in a positive way. When you learn to forgive others their faults, you can learn, you can get back from others the kind of forgiveness that you've always wanted for yourself. The kind of understanding and I understand that you are speaking about forgiveness even today as part of your 40 days of peace. Most of you are very well aware of an incident that happened some over four years ago in Nickel Mines in Pennsylvania. One of your own has written about that in a book called Amish Grace. We know the story of how a man broke into a schoolroom and shot innocent young women 
young girls. The most heinous act. But we also know that within a very short time after that happened, the Amish elders of that community went to the widow of this man who had killed himself along with these girls and offered their forgiveness. We know how the world reacted to that by saying, what is this? Who would do such a thing as forgive such a heinous murderer? Who would think of it? Is it even appropriate to offer forgiveness? But we also know that from around the world, people gave millions of dollars to say, we care. We see that forgiveness. We see what a people has done in return of something that's been done to them to plant seeds of forgiveness. And it came back in great measure, shaken together, poured into their lap of people saying, we too want to be that kind of people who forgive. Those acts of forgiveness didn't just arise out of a couple people hastily getting together and said, you know, this would be a good idea. They arise out of practice of studied ways of responding to people, to enemies, of, of ordered affections which say how to get to these, what we need here, what we need in life. So today, I'd, I'd invite you to ponder, what is it that you really want in life at the deepest level in line with what the kingdom of God pictures as a kind of society, a kind of people, a kind of church that has the kingdom characteristics in it. What do you desire? And then invite the spirit of God to help you to produce the kind of planting, to plant those seeds liberally into other people's lives and then watch as those seeds grow and produce fruit and how people measure back to you in the same measure you've given to them. Pour down, pouring blessings on your life. There's probably no better example of this than Jesus himself. If you think about it when you read John 13, if you've read John 13, it's a passage about Jesus with his disciples at the last meal he had together with them. And you read the first few verses and you see there's a confrontation coming up. Because it says that Jesus knew that he had come from God, that he was returning to God, that all God had put all things into his hand. He loved these to the end. And then you read that Satan had put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. And if this were a Western novel, you'd say, there's a shootout coming. Because you know there's these two forces that are going to be against each other. But what do you see? You see Jesus kneeling and washing the feet of a man who he knew would betray him to the people who would kill him. That was a profound act of investing in someone's life in a way that ran counter to what anybody would have, would have wanted to see. And that, that act bears seeds to this very day in our lives when we see what it means to serve others with the love that we would like to see from them in return. 
So this morning, I invite you to turn with me, if you would, in your hymnal to the back of the hymnal. <clears throat> Number 733 is a resource. A prayer. I'm sure it's a very familiar prayer to many of you. I know you use it here at Goshen College. But I want you to see it today and to read it with me, if you, if you can, for yourself. Read this as a prayer that speaks to the theme I've been speaking about, investing in hope. Because you have here this metaphor of planting seeds, and there's lots of good examples. So if you will, you may read it with me as a prayer. <clears throat> Together, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. May it be so for all of you here at Goshen College. Thank you, Irvin. Thanks for being with us this morning and sharing with us. Um, let's respond to this vision and planting these seeds by turning in your blue hymnals. Um, 367. 367.
May you go in Christ's likeness as we invest in hope in our world. Go in peace.